You're gonna lose this ball game, Eskimos. <laughs> oh, like the tenors might have to uh, go with them. <laughs> That's oh. my audition for the 105th Grey Cup national anthem. <laughs> I'm doing it. I don't see why. I don't see how they couldn't you. Oh, grab some poutine and a double double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL podcast every week. John, John Fraser. Fraser. To me, if this isn't rock bottom for the Bombers, I don't know what is. And Travis Kura. Who would win between the world's fastest cow, the CFL Rabbit, or Brandon Banks? We'll deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Bad pizza is better than good salad, right? It's true. <laughs> it, it, it really is. Just like bad wings are, are better than most anything in the world. Can't forget the nonsense. Ready, set, hook and welcome to episode 62 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. It is Travis Curra and my co-pilot for today, Brazilian Ty. You hanging in there, buddy? Oh, keeping on, keeping on. You said you worked 11 hours today? Yeah, like for the first time in a month. I don't know if I've worked 11 hours over the past six months uh, <laughs> combined. Well, you work, you work in radio, though, so I mean... <laughs> Work is a loose term for you. Yeah, I, I, I guess I guess it is. Now, wow, uh, we're getting ready for the Grey Cup this Sunday. So uh, we'll be joined by Janine from the Bleed Red Blacks podcast today, uh, Ryan from the CFL Horseman podcast, Jim Mullen will also be joining us as well to talk about the 52nd Vanier Cup on Saturday at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. Now, Ty, I don't know if you saw this, but Amazing Race Canada has put out the call for auditions and what do you think what ch- what what sort of chances would uh me and Fraser have at winning that whole damn thing oh, i think you and fraser would be awful <laughs> so let's face it he's from northern ontario he's not going to be very street smart kind of a backwoods <laughs> you know you should cheer for the bomber so you know he's not all there <laughs> but I mean, if me and you went, and you get a little bit of the, a little bit of the, the power on your end, a little bit of the speed from me, and you know, we just really compliment each other. I think we could uh, take her home. Oh, you and me, we're gonna come up with the audition tape. Well, I mean, it can't be any worse than the one that Letterkenny put together, can it? <laughs> Dude, uh, did you watch last season of Amazing Race? You don't strike me as an Amazing Race guy, but I gotta ask. <laughs> I did not. So, but well, last it can't be that hard. Can it? Well, they they went to Thailand or they they went to somewhere crazy, and one of the challenges they had to eat like these crazy bugs, man. And oh, you, I've eaten bugs. You won't even eat poutine. Yeah, I'll eat bugs though. You eat bugs over poutine? Oh, any day of the week. So if I go to the candy shop and I buy some all dressed seasoned crickets, you will eat that, but you won't eat poutine. I, yes, I will. I will eat chocolate covered, candy covered cricket. Well, <laughs> I'm going to buy some, and I'm holding you to that. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll periscope it, even. Oh man, so we can prove it. That is bad. Why do you hate <laughs> poutine single, so much? Care? Why do you hate poutine so much? That gravy is the the bane of my existence. It is the devil. Ah. Oh. And well, I don't I, like cheese that much either. I guess I'm a sinner then. Uh, <laughs> the smooth transition, getting waxed with Brazilian tie. Who are you waxing this week? The Edmonton Eskimos special teams. Well. <laughs> that, that was awful. I, I I totally agree. I think it's been one of their strengths all season long, but I assume you're talking about the attempted onside punt. Well, that there were two plays in... If there was that, I don't know if it was meant to be onside because the timing wasn't there. But when you're going to have two guys that can run down the field and they're your two best cover guys, one being, I believe it was Lacey, um, he didn't even kick it to the right spot in the field. He kicked it away from them, allowing Chris Jackson to return that punt for the field goal, or for the touchdown, sorry. And then on the, uh, I forget which drive it was, but it was in the fourth quarter, Edmonton down by eight. Field it inside your own end zone, which I wouldn't have given up a single point either. It's still a one-possession game at that point. And then you get 
return to the three, but the ensuing punt after the 2-0 and that gave Ottawa the ball at like the 23-yard line, put them automatically in the field goal position because you couldn't make a decent punt that would land inbound. It was just a cumulative failure in the second half. And I, I, I know the the weather was absolutely insane, but Grant Shaw had to have one of the worst games of his career. Oh, and he was so good all him and White were so good all year. Yeah, and, and then this, this just really puts a black mark on the season. But I mean. For what it was, what, they didn't play that horrible, but those two plays just really stand out to me. And you don't want to wax the Calgary Stampeders. I want to wax their second half. <laughs> they got outscored fifteen to ten. So the- <laughs> where's your killer instinct? The Oilers didn't stop when they were up six nothing in the eighties. They made it ten or eleven. Like, come on, guys. Well, look at the goalies back then, man. <laughs> well, I mean, Grant here as long as he didn't let in number eight, it was a win. <laughs> Like Grant, did Grant? Was there any easier job in sports than to be, well, Grant Fear himself for Marty Broder's backup? But Grant Fear himself, uh, I'm wor- worse than that when I play NHL 17 in net. <laughs> oh, well, user control goalies are so easy to score on. I'm happy to give up seven. And I'm like, oh, I had a great game. <laughs> Gle- Gle- being Glenn Hall's backup would have been pretty easy too. Yeah, if they had backup goalies back then. He did play what five hundred and ten in a row. <laughs> Jeez, that is nuts. <laughs> we will talk about uh, that second half with uh, podcaster Ryan from the CFL Horseman Podcast. We'll see what he really thinks about that. <laughs> I have a feeling he's not going to be that worried. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get right to the news. <laughs> In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two It Out Podcast. It is brought to you by Bomb Energy Drink, drinkbomb.com. Check them out. Let's uh, go through with what happened in new sports uh, over the weekend. It was a couple of blowouts. Actually, the University of Calgary Dinos crushed St. Francis Xavier. Isn't that awesome that they're called the X-Men, though? That is pretty sweet. <laughs> but they... They always seem to be the sacrificial lamb to come out of the Atlantic Conference. Yeah. Which is now nine years in a row or something ridiculous <laughs> like that. Like, it's not even fair anymore. Yeah. Uh, so they lose 50-24 to 24, uh, in the Mitchell Bowl. So they're off to the Vanier Cup. Calgary is pretty beat up. We will talk about that with uh, Jim Mullen. Uh, and then Laval crushes Laurier. 36-6 to in the UTEC Bowl, and uh, they did have a close game against Montreal, though, in the Dunsmore Cup, 20-17, to and that one may have decided the Vanier Cup. Yeah, that's a pretty fair assessment. All, like, three of the four league finals came down to within three or four points yeah. of each other, and that, that was just an unreal week of football, but like you and John said there last week, you couldn't find anywhere to watch it. But, yeah, like that, anybody coming out of that conference in Quebec, is usually pretty legit, and now, and as you saw last year with Montreal, and now this year again with Laval, who's a perennial favorite when it comes to U Sports. Um, it's really no surprise that they're back again. Ratings are in uh, for the Eastern and Western final. Uh, East final averaged one point two million. The West final averaged one million. It's not often that the East final outdraws the West final, but does it really count since half of the East final was a West team? <laughs> No, probably not. <laughs> but I think all, all the missed extra points in the NFL led to some of that. 12, 12 missed extra <laughs> points on Sunday. It had me flipping the chat. And once I flipped back to the Espo game, I never flipped back to an NFL game. That's Liram Hirala. Oh, crap. I screwed up his name again. Liram Haralahu territory. But he was actually good this year, so I shouldn't say that. But that's John <laughs> Fraser territory. We'll that's say my that. Job. <laughs> That's John Fraser territory, we'll say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ratings, it is good news to see that in, in a time where uh, television ratings and sports ratings in general are uh, you know kind of bottoming out. It's good to see the league still bringing in over a million viewers uh, for the playoffs. I, I do love seeing that. And I think anybody wants to watch a good old snow game. Oh. Once I saw what Frankie had forecasted, there was some realism in that. Of course, Frankie from Sydney, Nova Scotia, uh, Canada's <laughs> most popular weatherman. He never gets it wrong. No, he's. I, I've, I've yet to see him get it wrong. 
Yeah. He has a better track record than Environment Canada. <laughs> he is the most trustworthy guy in Canada. Uh, so uh, follow Frankie on Twitter. Give him a follow because that guy, <laughs> he's bang on all the time. <laughs> now, has Darrell, let's get a bold prediction from you. Has Darrell Walker played his last snap in the CFL? No. You think he'll be back? When? Week 9 or 10. Oh, it's, you don't, it's, so you don't. Hard to cra- it's so hard to crack NFL rosters coming from the CFL. There's a couple guys that have actually been able to do it and stick. But I think that it's still going to be a little bit of a work in progress. It's, they're just so deep and there's so many guys coming out of college. And come up here, gets lots of playing time, yeah, and got, gets lots of video. But I still think that uh, they're going to be taking uh, a college kid kind of over him maybe depending on how good he is in camp but it's just usually they come they don't make it on the first try so i guess when i look at Darrell walker i see a special player that uh oh, for sure and even dontrell inman who used to play for the argos he's actually stuck with the san diego chargers and he's been playing more and more snaps and mm-hmm. usually it seems like uh receivers don't really stick down there unless they're really big and Darrell Walker he almost doesn't have like he's not you know six five uh yeah you know whatever he's not the dominating really physical presence his his athletic ability could make up for that though yeah he is six two 185 he's only 25 so uh yeah there's a lot of he's got a lot of talent like don't get me wrong and maybe it's just because I'm an Eskimo season ticket holder and I feel spoiled to watch him and Bowman that I don't want it to end yet. But yeah. twenty seven hundred <laughs> receiving yards in thirty games uh, in his Eskimo yeah. career. So uh, I'm sure Eskimo fans hope you're right. Well, he is a free agent him, if he comes back. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know how the passing offense looks, but Zilstra seemed so. Zilstra seems like he could fit uh, the scheme. I don't know if he, take, he won't take over Walker's spot for sure. But well, they got Vidal I mean, Hazelton too, so. Well, exactly. That's that's a piece that everybody forgets about because he wasn't allowed to play. Yeah. After that trade, so I mean, he's young yet. He's going to have more than one shot at the NFL. I just don't know if he's going to make it in this first go round. Now, uh, I have the angry elk ready for this news item. <laughs> okay. You, you remember the MLB All Star Game when the tenors sung "O Canada"? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, the guy that ended up changing the lyrics in that O Canada has been bumped from, I, I don't know, do you call them the band? I don't know, the group? From the group? And they will the be. Choir? Yeah. And they will be making their return at the 104th Grey Cup this Sunday in Toronto. Good for them. <laughs> but, like, I have a very unpopular opinion on anthems and I don't understand why we do it before every game. It is kind I get what you're saying. It is kind of foolish before, that in before every sporting event that we are only patriotic before sporting events. <laughs> and and before school. Yeah. <laughs> and I get it. I get it because we live in a free country we're able to do all this stuff and everything. Um, but the liberal government already changed the lyrics without putting it to a vote. So what he did doesn't seem that egregious anymore. Because now it's not all thy sons command. They changed it, and they made it. They made it very. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the tenors changed a little more than just that one lyric. Well, well, well yes, they did. But yeah, I, I just I'm, I'm not saying that I that I won't stand or anything. It's just, I, I don't understand why it's just the norm. You're not going to ca- call in Kaepernick it. No. <laughs> Because I don't think I'd make it out of Commonwealth alive if I did that. I don't know about you, but every single morning before I get up, I play O Canada on my phone. I stand up. You are I... such a liar. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am patriotic, and we should have it at the Grey Cup, though. Uh, yeah, oh, I, for sure. I mean, you can't you can't deny that. And there's got to be a national anthem at WrestleMania, and there is every every single year. So. I mean, the big events, for sure. But, like, every, like every other game, every like every single event you go to, there is one. And I, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I just It's never been explained why we do it or why it has to be done. It's just it's 
socially accepted as the norm, and everybody just kind of goes along with it like sheep. <laughs> but that's just me. It's a very unpopular opinion, but it's mine. Well, let. let... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never, I, it's very rare I have a popular opinion. That's why we love you or hate <laughs> you. I, I, I don't even know what I feel about you anymore. Hey, any publicity is good publicity. <laughs> Once they stop talking about you, then you got a problem. Yes, I agree. Now, <laughs> uh, one more note here: the Grey Cup coming up on uh, Sunday, and it's become a. Uh, 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 annual tradition uh, at the Grey Cup, uh, the CFL Fans Fight Cancer event. We went for the first time in Winnipeg last year, and it was great. Uh, it's happening this Saturday, 11 until 2 at Shoeless Joe's in the Big Smoke. That's 276 King Street. Last year, it was uh, hosted by Chris Walby, and the raffle prizes they had uh, were incredible. A lot of the teams come together and donate items, so they got raffle prizes, 50-50 uh, going on, silent auction items, uh, donations, of course. You can give those because 100% of the proceeds go to Wellspring. Uh, get in on this uh, this Saturday in Toronto. The CFL fans fight cancer event, and I know last year in Winnipeg, had a lot of fun, man. Uh, had a lot of beer, had a lot of pizza, and raised money for a great cause. Well, uh, yeah, that was it was awesome. Uh, you know, getting to talk to Chris Walby a bit there, got to meet him. Um, you know, and you spend you spend a little bit of money, and it's all for charity, but you still have blasters, lots of people, and you still have drinks. It's basically just a huge party, and they, there's other things going on at the same time, but. Um, like you said, there's lots of raffle prizes and all that stuff, and I was lucky enough to win one of those last year and didn't realize that the Louis de Saglia jersey was a door prize. <laughs> and you didn't take it! I didn't, and he's my favorite player of all time, and I didn't take it. I'm really upset about it, but I did get a $50 off my tab. Nice! So it was still like 70 bucks. So it was a pretty rough day, but <laughs> it was all for a good time. <laughs> you know what? I almost thought you were going to show your heart there. Oh, is there a heart in there, or is it just uh, Mr. Grinch? Well, I mean, come December, it's Mr. Grinch, but for now, you can say I have somewhat of a heart. Okay, okay, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we get to our East final and a Grey Cup preview uh, for the Ottawa Red Blacks and Janine from the Bleed Red Blacks uh, podcast, that one always screws me up. Breed Red Blacks. That's all what I want to say. Uh, but... Use your words, Travis. <laughs> Did you see the song that uh, my wife wrote over the weekend on Twitter? No. She wrote a song. Uh oh. Now I just have to get the lyrics. Now this, she is an Eskimo fan. Yes. And uh, she was depressed watching the game, and she wasn't happy. There's probably chores that you had to do that you were refusing to do. Yeah, that's basically what happened. But she wrote the <laughs> lyrics to this. I'm dreaming of a white playoff. A game where you can't see the ball. <laughs> Where's the first down marker? Who knows? You're gonna lose this ball game, Eskimos. Oh, like the tenors might have to uh, go with them. That's my audition for the 105th Grey Cup National Anthem. I'm doing it. I don't see why. I don't see how they couldn't pick you. <laughs> I mean, it is in Ottawa, right? <laughs> it is. I think, we all, I think we all know Atlanta Morissette's going to be doing that anthem. Yeah, probably. And it's going to be awful. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get back to business. And uh, we welcome to the show Janine from the Bleed Red Blacks podcast. I assume, Janine, that you are... Uh, I guess warmed up, dried off from yesterday's East <laughs> final. Yes, it was a true Canadian classic in terms of weather, and uh, you know everything from seeing Ellingson do a snow angel after a touchdown to uh, having a few extra layers in my own bag that I could keep popping on throughout the game. It was just a great. It was a great, great experience. Now, do you sit on the north side or the south side? 
I do sit on the north side, and I know, I know everybody's <laughs> going to say, oh, you're one of the wusses that's under the cover, but... I just like to think of it as being smart and well-prepared for all eventualities. <laughs> Did it help at all yesterday, that cover? The cover helped. There's still snow that's kind of blowing in because it was windy enough. But I actually also sit right in the middle. So I'm like on the 53-yard line. And I'm up high enough that um, it's actually warmer in my seat than it is on the concourse because you're all kind of jammed <laughs> into the middle there. So it's, it's actually a pretty toasty place to be in an outdoor stadium. Now, coming into the game, I think a lot of people have written off uh, the Red Blacks, saying it's going to be an all-West Grey Cup. I don't think uh, the Red Blacks really have a chance. They're under five they They're division champs, all this. They haven't won a home game since, what, September 23rd. Uh, how was your thoughts going into the game? Were you nervous, or how did you think it was going to go? Oh, I was extremely nervous, but, uh, like, so nervous that I... I normally don't work out on Sundays, but I went to the gym, which is right underneath the stadium. Oh, before, nice. <laughs> right before the game, because I just had so much nervous energy and I couldn't, I needed to get it out. But um, as nervous as I was, I was also very confident that you guys will remember the game where Ottawa clinched first in the East, was their second last game of the season and their first against Winnipeg. And they played bar none, their best game of the season. They were finally, uh, their secondary was finally playing much more disciplined, a lot less penalties. They were really gelling as a unit on all three aspects of the game. And I, I just knew that if they could have a repeat of that type of a game, that there was no reason we had to fear Edmonton. And they absolutely came out ready, focused, and playing like one great big unit. And it was it was fantastic. And you could tell early on that as long as they could keep up that pace and that momentum, uh, that they were going to pull this off. And it was just a great, it was a great thing to see. And the season has been sort of, I think, an adventure in Ottawa. When the season started, <laughs> it looked like they were going to crush the East Division and have an easy road to the Grey Cup. And then... After the first four games or so, it became an adventure. Why Why did it just become uh, sort of, they became an inconsistent team up until that Winnipeg game. Was it the quarterback injury switching back and forth, or what do you think it was? Yeah, I think, you know, and we've talked a lot about it on our own podcast this year, about how this year was really a growth year for both the team and for the fans. And And, you know, what we mean by that is, Okay, first season, our record is two and sixteen. You know, we were a first first year franchise. I don't think anybody, nobody expected two and sixteen, but we certainly weren't expecting miracles. And then yeah. season number two happened, and everything just lined up. And we had an incredible season. We had the MOP. Uh, the team just really, really came together, and we got a trip to the Grey Cup. And let's face it, Ottawa fans got a little bit spoiled, and maybe we got a little bit cocky about our brand new franchise. And so that cockiness kind of came into the first part of this season. Yeah. Like you said, those first four games, right, which is we're riding that high. And then all of a sudden, you know, Henry gets injured. Yeah, it was in the first game. And then Harris comes in and then Harris gets injured. And all of a sudden, like all of that flow just kind of stops. And I think both the team and the fan base had to kind of figure out, oh, now what? Because now we, we've hit our first real challenge and we've had to grow as fans and accepting that the second year team that we had was a bit you know was a bit of an anomaly and it was fantastic and the guys deserved it but you just don't see that you don't see a second year team succeed the way ottawa did so we had to adjust as fans and the team just really had to adjust with the adversity that came with that kind of fairy tale crashing to an end sometime around game five. Uh, and it took them some time. It took them some time to bounce back from it. Um, media certainly did their best to make a real big deal out of the Her- uh, out of the Henry Burris and uh, Trevor Harris situation. And it doesn't matter what kind of professional you are, that's going to distract you and your teammates a little bit. Uh, teammates had to figure out a new quarterback, a new style of throwing, a new, uh, a bit of a new offense with Moss being gone. And I think it just all culminated around the midpoint of the season and ended up being more chaotic than any of us would have liked. I know Brazilian Ty is thankful for that second magical season. <laughs> Why is That's that Brazilian Ty? Yeah. <laughs> 
terrible. You know, had worse. <laughs> well, so this year you're saying it's kind of like a, a return to the mean. You know, they're, they're not yeah. as bad as two wins. Maybe not quite as good as 12 wins. Maybe they're, you know, and I don't think they're as bad as eight wins either, to be honest. so No, I don't think they're as bad as eight wins. And there was definitely some inconsistency problems this year. But, you know, I think um, I, you can't downplay the effect of having two different quarterbacks um, and two different styles of player and having to gel with two different quarterbacks on a, you know, one game on, one game off kind of a basis. And uh, that's going to have an impact, I think. But what I would like to point out is that they were able to overcome that adversity. And the time of the year you want to be trending up is the end of the season. They were trending up towards the end of the season. And there's some fans here who've been grumbling about the fact that we're below 500, but I don't care. We're on our way to the Grey yeah. Cup. Like, what do I care for below 500? <laughs> well, it does, Edmonton lost to an under 500 team, so I mean, what's that, there you go. what's that say about them? And I know a lot of they say, oh, they only won because of the weather. Well, Ottawa had to play in the same weather. You know, it's, Well, Ottawa had to play in the same weather, and I'm sorry, but I'm from Western Canada, and if boys from Edmonton can't deal with a little bit of snow... <laughs> <laughs> Those aren't true prairie boys. That's all I can say. Yeah, that's exactly uh, my thoughts. Now, in this in the East final, I was just so blown away. I think a lot of people thought that uh, in Ottawa's secondary we would get torched by Walker mm-hmm. and Bowman and you know these guys. They didn't do well against Hamilton, and maybe Ottawa learned a thing or two from Hamilton because they didn't have another hundred yard receiver. Darius Bowman had. 70 yards he did have the two touchdowns but for 70 yards that's basically holding him to nothing these days absolutely and john white was completely contained uh and one part of our game that i've always uh this year that has been consistent has been stopping the run game so uh if you can believe it john white wasn't even what i was most scared of it was a darius bowman and darrell walker but like you said we held walker had uh had almost I haven't seen the stat. I haven't seen the stats before. He had 96 called, yards, so he almost had 100. But so the, he almost had 100, yeah. and so they did have more than they had against Hamilton. But it just wasn't. It didn't feel from the stands as fierce as what Bowman and Walker normally yeah. feel like. <laughs> uh, so definitely, they they really and you could just you know for me the turning point guys was, and I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure you caught it on TV, but. When Tristan Jackson ran back for the touchdown, all of a sudden my entire section was screaming, onside kick, onside kick, because not an onside kick, but they had some players, Moss had some players circle back to be onside so that they could rush and and pick up the ball. And and when that didn't work, they lost their blockers, and Jackson ran it back for the touchdown. And to me that was the most exciting moment of the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, And was when I knew that, if we can, if we could see that play coming, we really have a legit shot of holding on here and, and really taking this game. And that might have been the defining moment of the game, but I think the hero of the game might be Keenan LaFrance. Uh, I mean, of course, of course. <laughs> wow. He, so Madu comes in; he's been playing great, but he only yeah. had two carries. He ended up getting hurt. LaFrance comes in, twenty-five carries, one hundred and fifty-seven yards. Is is it look like he's going to get the start in the Grey Cup? That is so so hard to say, and I, I've been I've been wondering the same thing. And and you know, in a way, in a way, do you want anybody other than a boy from Manitoba yeah. uh, being your running back during a during a winter storm? I mean, yeah. it was almost like it was scripted in a sense. And I don't know if you caught his interview afterwards. I think he was quoted as saying. Oh, that I'm from Winnipeg. That snow ain't nothing. <laughs> I, just, I just thought that was so perfect. It's such a perfect storyline. But Keenan, uh, I've been a big fan of his uh, since before he was a Red Black. I, I watched him when he was a Manitoba Bison. Um, I've, and I've, we've said on our podcast, you know, we've got some really great Canadian backs in him and Gillinders. And we've been sort of screaming for him to get a shot all year. Uh, I, I personally do think he's earned it, uh, but I'm not a coach. I, it, I would love to see him get the start. Um, I don't know how serious Madhu's injury was, but I, I really do think that uh, Keenan showed, showed us exactly what he has, 
why he's such a great Canadian asset to have on a team. Um, I personally think he deserves the, the start, but I, I'm pretty glad I'm not the person who has to make that decision next Sunday. Yeah, onwards to the Grey Cup, where it's almost a David and Goliath situation on paper. Uh, the Calgary Stampeders 15-2-1, although that little one in the tie column is at the heads <laughs> right. of the Ottawa Red Blacks. What do you think the keys are? Like, I, I look at that team and I say, I don't see any weaknesses. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. And, like, don't get me wrong. I am I, I am scared <laughs> out of my mind for Sunday. And they, these guys are formidable. The Calgary Stampeders are formidable. What scares me the most is Bowley by Mitchell and his absolute coolness in all situations on that field. I think he's uh, he is just there is no Ernest Jackson, love love him, love him, love him, glad he's the Western nominee for MOP, but there's just no way. There's no way anybody deserves it more than Bo, and yeah. uh, it's scary to go up against him. That said, we, you know, we did beat Calgary last year during uh, when they were in Ottawa. We forced them into that tie when they were in Ottawa again, so I know we can do it. I know that we can contain this team. Now that we have a healthy Hank uh, who's firing on all cylinders again, and, and you guys, just like everybody else in the league, know it, when you when you tell Hank he can't do something, that's kind of when he comes out and shines. He's been to the big game before many times. Uh, I know he's going to feel an extra, you know, an extra oomph playing against uh, one of his former teams um, that he won a great cup with. So I, so he's definitely going to have that fire. Um, if, if we've got Hank firing on all cylinders and if we can play another discipline game where we don't take penalties were our downfall all year long, yeah. we play a game with discipline where we don't take those stupid penalties, I really do think we have a shot against these guys. We have contained even Jerome Messam this year. Uh, we are good at containing the run. It's not easy to contain Messam, but that is one of our strengths. So I'm not as worried about that. Um, it's going to be, it's going to come down. To, I really think it's going to come down to our secondary. If they play discipline, they can contain any offense in this league. If they start taking those stupid undisciplined penalties, it's going to be a long three hours. And I thought one of the strengths that Ottawa had uh, against Edmonton was that they were able to pressure Riley and, of course, bust up the running plays with John White. How big of an addition do you think Cleon Lang was to that? Well, I think Cleon Lang is, uh, I mean, he was a great end-of-season signing. Yeah. I've had my reservations about the signing simply because he has a bit of a reputation. Right. Uh, in fact, it was Mike Riley who he, uh, who he knocked out of the game yeah. not once. Not twice, but three times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if maybe some of it was the psychological aspect of the Lang versus uh, versus Riley uh, conflict, but uh, but I think he's definitely proven to be a good addition. And so far, he hasn't. Uh, he's been playing within the rule book. He's been keeping it clean. Um, the thing is, though, that that O line, and it really doesn't seem to matter who Calgary puts yeah. their o- in their O line. <laughs> they just. They're incredible. They are incredible at protecting their quarterback. So uh, I think Cleon Lang is going to want to prove that he is a great addition, and I think he's going to be pretty ferocious out there. It remains to be seen if there's a hole in that offensive line for Calgary, though. (laughs) And that's the thing. He gets sacked, you know, once every three games. So maybe it's time that it happens on Sunday. Let's see. Did he get sacked? He didn't get sacked on Sunday, and he didn't play the game before. So it's time. Yes. It's the third game. (laughs) (laughs) Numbers never lie. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Awesome, Janine. Thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to us. Where can uh, we find more of you online? Well, you can find me uh, on Twitter at OttawaJ. That's J-A-Y. And uh, please, if you haven't listened to our podcast, give us a follow. We're the Bleed Red Blacks podcast. And you can also find us on Twitter at Bleed Red Blacks. And uh, I don't know, I think the CFL Twitter Awards, massive oversight. Don't you think, Travis? <laughs> both of our, both of us being shunned out. Hey, of the you didn't get nominated year. either? Uh, well, we got nominated. Oh, we didn't even We're get that far. <laughs> I don't think we had enough people nominate us. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. Well, good, good for Andrew, though. He's a good guy. Good for Andrew. He is. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of, uh, of our friends Andrew and Uncle Tim at uh, Eskimo Empire, so I was happy for him. Hey, they got, the, you, they got the consolation prize, but you're going to the Grey Cup again. So. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, I do hope to see you boys there, and we'll have, uh, we'll have one or two uh, cold ones. Or three. I'll see you at the Spirit of Edmonton. You will, for sure. <laughs> awesome. We'll talk to you in Toronto then. Okay, bye, guys. And now I welcome to the show uh, Ryan from the CFL Horseman Podcast. You must be feeling good today, buddy. Yeah, there's something satisfying in sitting down at the beginning of the season on your podcast and saying, I think the Stampeders are going to go 18-0 and and walk their way to the Grey Cup and then have the team pretty much back that up. 15-2-1 and is as close as you're going to get in the modern era. And uh, I think uh, it's really good to know that I booked my tickets to Toronto with confidence that my team would meet me there, and they're going to. So... Uh, uh, it, it's a pretty. It's been a pretty happy feeling all day for me. Um, you know, I, I was in a, a work situation today that normally would leave me awfully grumpy, but you could not wipe the <laughs> smile off my face. Now, for a team that won 15 games, there was a lot of people doubting them, me included, coming into the West Final against the BC Lions, and and I think people said if there was going to be rust on the team, it would happen in the first quarter. Well, the first quarter started, and there was no such thing as rust. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, they they did score on the opening drive, yeah, yeah. Um, and continued to lay the boots to BC for another sixty minutes. So, I I really like you know if this team was rusty. Watch out, Ottawa. <laughs> yeah, can, can they put up 65 on Sunday? <laughs> why not? I, I don't see why not. They were on pace, too. They took their foot off the throat. Uh, foot to, they took their foot off the gas in, in the second half, and, and that's inevitable. Um, we had, it was funny. I had Jerome Messam on our show last week, and I said to him, you know, we were talking about, I asked the players to do a, a, an over-under bet for us, um, uh, as opposed to predicting the stamp games during our weekly predictions, because I won't allow anyone in my house to pick against the stamp <laughs> Uh And Jerome Messam put up Bull Levi's passing yards, and I said 304.5 over under. And he said, why so low? And I said, because you guys will be up by 30 at halftime, and <laughs> I don't know how much you guys pass in the second half. And he, he looked at me and he goes, well, wouldn't that be nice? And it was. <laughs> I didn't expect the pick six to get us there, but yeah. they did put up 30 in the first half like I called it on the show. Now, seriously, wh- where is the we? I think I asked you this in September when you were on the show. Where is the weakness on the Calgary Stampeders? It may be, as strange as this sounds, it may be O-line. Um, it's what? only because two guys <laughs> wow. went down again, right. uh, and we have yet to hear what their status is. Um, the injury report hasn't come out on those two guys, so offensive line may be an issue, uh, which, of course, plays into the ratio, Yeah, because the guys who went down were both Canadians, uh, and so you may have to see Randy Richards slide back onto the offensive line, which, by the way, is no problem in this fan's mind, but it does make... Decisions elsewhere. I, Calgary normally starts eight or eight, or sometimes even nine uh, nationals, so it gives us a lot of flexibility. But now you're just one one more injury away from being in a roster situation. So I think that might be that might be the concern going into this week is is the health of the two guys that went down on Sunday. Um, but if they're able to play or or even you know, kind of step on the field and, and put up 90% of what they normally do, that should be enough to get them the championship. Now, I'm not saying, but I'm just saying, uh, I mean, uh, the second half, though, the BC Lions 15, the Stampeders 10. If that continues into the great Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it's funny. I mean, I, again, the, the question was asked of Dave Dickinson earlier this year in one of his postgame scrums, what's wrong with your team in the third quarter? Because every third quarter you guys come out and the offense isn't quite in sync and the defense starts allowing yards. And then in the fourth quarter you tighten back up. And Dave Dickinson's stone-cold response, and, and 
full credit to him because, I mean, coaches don't normally brag about their teams. Yeah. But Dave Dickinson looked right at the reporter and said, it's tough to maintain your focus when you're up by 20 at the half every time. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is the most lights-out quote I've ever heard from a coach in a post-game press conference. I mean, it might as well be Jim Morris' playoffs. I, I like... <laughs> The idea that Dickinson would just look at him and go, we're too good to care about the third quarter. I, like, that was just remarkable to me. And, and BC, you know, Travis Lule came out. He made some drives. But at that point, the game was over. Yeah. Uh, the Stamps knew it. The Lions knew it. And, and so did the fans in the stands. Everybody knew the game was over by half. And it was just a matter of getting through the second half healthy. Now, Calgary may or may not have done that. Again, we'll find out. Uh, what the injury report is on on the two offensive linemen, but at the end of the day, I think there's, uh, you know, a, it's tough to to stay focused when you're just trying to stay healthy to get to next week. Yeah, it was a dream day for me because the East Final, the West Final, and Survivor Series was on, and uh, the fourth quarter of the Stabs game, I'm like, ah, when do I flip over to Survivor Series? And that moment came halfway through the fourth quarter. <laughs> I, I probably should have did it at halftime. or Not for nothing, <laughs> but how do you allow Brock Lesnar to lose in one minute to Bill Goldberg? I don't know. Terrible storytelling. I don't watch wrestling anymore. I, I don't. I used, to be, I used to be pretty big into it, uh, and then I transitioned into MMA. Um, but... I, like the, I, it came out this morning. You you have Brock Lesnar beat the Undertaker at WrestleMania to destroy his streak, and he loses in one minute to Bill Goldberg, who's never done anything in the WWE of note. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible story writing. Shouldn't have happened. I don't know how Vince Russo got back in the room for a day, but they shouldn't have allowed it to happen. I totally uh, agree with you there. Now, the Stamps are looking for their second Grey Cup in three years. Now, Bo Levi Mitchell, more than anybody else in the league, feeds off of, I think, uh, I don't know about distraction, but haters and doubters. And it, it seems like it's his Wheaties in the morning. He'll go on Twitter and who's hating me today? And then that just puts him in a great mood to go out there and win. If you think that Bo Levi Mitchell gets the most out of haters, I'm not sure you've been watching Henry Burris. Oh, yeah, yeah, he does yeah. like him too. Henry likes and not just not just get off on, on haters in the morning by checking his Twitter feed, jumping on the TSN panel. <laughs> to be like, shut Straight up, to the I top. you wrong again. So Bo's learning in the, the footsteps of Henry that way. Because oh, yeah, absolutely. Henry- both of these guys, both of these guys absolutely feed on hatred. And and with Henry, because he's been in so many places around the league, that hatred fuels him. And every city he goes to where he feels that, he puts up good performances. It's actually really interesting to me as a Calgary fan because Henry doesn't get hated here. Henry comes back to town and everyone's like, oh, hey, Hank, love you, buddy. Yeah. And he doesn't play well here. <laughs> and I don't know if that's because we don't hate him, but Henry doesn't play well in Calgary, and I think that's because nobody, everybody just has fond memories of, of Henry Burris winning the Grey Cup for us in 2008. They don't, they don't ever kind of say, oh, well, you left like Saskatchewan does, or, oh, well, Hamilton hates him because he, he's moved to Ottawa now. Like, there's just none of that. There's, there's none of that fuel here. Um, but Henry, Henry feeds on the haters, and so does Bo. Both of these guys love to prove someone wrong. And, and I think this Grey Cup uh, is far more about that for Henry this year than it is for Bo. But I know Bo loves to, to grab guys that are talking smack on Twitter and, and, and beat them down and then quote them back after the game to say things like, <laughs> oh, well, hey, I guess it didn't work out the way you thought it would, would it? He even called out <laughs> Tony Washington left tackle for the Eskimos today on Twitter. You... <laughs> If you want to hear a call-out of Tony Washington, listen to our last show with Derek Dennis and Jerome Messam. Those two went off on that dude. They went off. Derek Dennis called him the worst tackle in the CFL. What? Yeah, he just said, I watch Tony Washington, and I don't know how he has a job. Now, this is why I'm sort of disappointed it's not a Battle of Alberta Grey Cup. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I wanted a Battle of Alberta. I've been asking for a Battle of Alberta Grey Cup since Labor Day. (laughs) 
when the standings were what they were at Labor Day, I'm like, it's possible we could get it because nothing is. There is no better screw you to the to the people of Edmonton than Calgary beating them in the Grey Cup. I don't care how many consecutive cups you won in the 70s. That doesn't matter anymore because when it was head to head with the ultimate prize on the line, Calgary wins. Oh, it would have been great. Now we have to settle for Ottawa, the team that's under 500, and so no one cares if you beat them because you were supposed to beat them because they're under 500. It, like at the end of the day, our our opportunity was great. You know, like uh, we had an opportunity to to fly into the Death Star and explode the Empire's hopes, and instead we're just knocking out a stormtrooper with a tree on the surface of Endor. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a great Star Wars reference. Now, coming into Sunday, what is the key to the game for the Stampeders? Is it so? Is it that they don't get in their own heads? I, I think there's some of that. Uh, you can, you obviously can't take Ottawa lightly. I mean, no. I, as much as I've said, you know what I've said, um, you can't take Ottawa lightly. They they do have um, some phenomenal players there. Henry has the ability to win the game on his own when he's on. Uh, their, their defense is solid. They shut Mike Riley down for three quarters last week, and Riley's got a, a great offense of his own. They need to, um, the, the Stampeders really need their corners to play at the level they've been playing all year, because if you don't, the Ottawa receivers will make you pay for it. Ernest Jackson, somehow MOP candidate, <laughs> is going to be burned by having lost to Bo on, on Thursday and looking to, you know, put his name out there and say, I should have been MOP, look at me, what I'm doing in the Grey Cup. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, talk this week about how dominant the Stampeders are, and they do need to retain that focus retain the fact that they've gotten here by being the humble team that after every single game says we're not good enough yet and maintain that focus maintain that drive and push through and i know uh you know as a, as a motivating factor i can tell you uh the pictures did appear on twitter that mylan hicks jersey was going around that locker room uh, quite a bit after that game. There were a lot of guys that wanted a picture with themselves, the trophy, and Mylan Hicks jersey. Um, because wow. they're playing for Mylan at this point, and, and they're going to, you know, they're really going to carry that into Toronto this week, knowing that they can close that out. And uh, some of the guys said, we're going to have to, you know, send him up a ring somehow. Wow, that, that's powerful stuff. You can't. That's something that <laughs> stats don't track. No, you know? no, you and it and it can't be manufactured. I mean, it, it was. It's a terrible tragedy, um, and and unfortunately, I, it, really, there are two ways a team can deal with this. Uh, you can deal with it in a way that it completely destroys your season because you can't. Um, you can't cope with the tragedy and, and turn it into motivation. The Stampeders this season have used this as a motivation to, to do something for their fallen comrade as opposed, to, um, as opposed to letting it tear them apart. They're using it to raise themselves up. All right, Ryan, where do we find more of you and your podcast? Well, of course, uh, you can get to uh, cflhorseman.ca. Uh, that's where uh, all of our podcasts are hosted. Uh, episodes, I believe, from the last uh, five seasons are on there, as well as some archives for some older links from back when we were Go Stamps Go. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at CFL underscore Horseman or me, myself, at Podcaster Ryan. Uh, you'll get uh, a wide variety of topics for me. Um, the, the Horsemen are more uh, pretty much uh, football-related. Um, and uh, you won't get any fights from the horsemen. So if you're looking to fight a stamp fan, come to me personally. I'm happy to take you on because I got that Bo Levi fueled hatred in me. Um, also, uh, you can find us on iTunes or on the Google Play uh, Store uh, where all your podcasts can be found. Uh, search for Horseman Radio. Uh, that's the name of the show. And, uh, and again, lots of episodes to check out, including uh, last week. If you want to hear more about Tony Washington, check out our show with Derek Dennis and Jerome Messam. What's your beer of choice in Toronto? Well, that's going to be a very interesting question. I'm not, I'm not much of a beer guy. I'm more of a spirits guy. Okay. I'm, uh, 
Uh, I've got like some sort of allergy, so three beer, I'm under the table. Um, but like a bottle and a half of rye, and I'm still ready to go. Uh, oh, so, uh, best friends. It, de- it depends on how much money I have in my pocket uh, to, help, yeah. to what I'll be drinking. But uh, uh, you know what? Anyone that hands me one, that's my favorite beer of the moment. Are you uh, too much of a proud guy to go to the Spirit of Edmonton? No, of course not. Perfect. Of course not. The Spirit of Edmonton is uh, typically where the big party is. Stamps House uh, has, has been kind of trying to gain traction over the last couple of years, but of course Spirit of Edmonton is, is huge. Um, I don't mind wandering down there with my stamps jersey on and walking through all cock of the walk. Like nobody can touch me because my team made it and your team had to go east and still couldn't beat a below 500 team to get to the Grey Cup. <laughs> I don't. I don't mind doing that if I have to. Uh, I, I'll. You'll see me at all the parties. Uh, I'm really looking forward. I assume uh, you'll be at the the CFL fights cancer fundraiser on Saturday morning. Well, I, I want to be there. We were. I was talking about that earlier on the show. It was uh, great last uh, last year, and it looks like it's going to be an awesome event again. What average Joe's? Yeah, uh, on Shoeless Joe's. Shoeless Joe's, there we go. Shoeless Joe's, uh, and the average Joe's is dodgeball. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, which, for a while, Henry Burris was using that as a touchdown dance. Yeah. Uh, the Ben Stiller Cobra thing. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I encourage people to come down yeah. to the uh, CFL Fights Cancer Fundraiser. Um, uh, from what I understand, tons of prizes there and, and silent auction stuff. Uh, and and maybe some one of a kind stuff that you can't get anywhere else. So that's uh, that's the party I'm looking forward to most. Um, I have been credentialed for Grey Cup. Uh, I'm not sure how many other podcasts can say that. Um, but uh, this the CFL sent us our accreditation for uh, for the Grey Cup. So I'll be down at the stadium quite a bit doing some uh, uh, the walkthroughs and and uh, interviews and stuff like that throughout the course of the week. But uh, really looking forward to meeting up with everybody and anybody out there. Uh, I'll be the big bearded ginger guy with my CFL Horseman t-shirt. You won't be able to miss me. Uh, feel free to come and say hello. Feel free to come up and tell me where to go. Uh, it's all the same. <laughs> yeah, you are way more professional than me. I figured I wouldn't be able to uh, uh, <laughs> represent this podcast well at the Grey Cup. So. You'd be surprised. All you have to do is apply for credentials. Eventually, you know, like I, I, we wore the Stampeders down. We did our show for four years before yeah. we got a player guest. But now player guests across the league are pretty common. And we've been told repeatedly by, by the people at the Stampeders that, that podcasts and new media um, are a topic every year with the CFL. Yeah. And they're slowly gaining more and more acceptance. Um, and because we really service a need that the media in Canada does not. Uh, we are a very... I don't want to say we're a niche market yeah. because the CFL has, has millions of fans across the country. But we are a niche um, uh, that, that most Medium. people don't have because we care about the CFL, I think, more than the people who get paid to do so do. And, uh, and as a result, that passion comes through and, and uh, really works better for us than, than it does with typical media who are just giving you the game story. Uh, we give you the players' stories. We give you their lives. We give you who they are and not just what they scored. Awesome. We will retweet all of your wonderful work uh, as I am probably hungover or something. <laughs> so you, sorry, you said you get out Thursday? Yeah, I'll be there Thursday. All right, we'll, uh, we'll, be, we'll be hitting it up for sure. Awesome, man. We'll see you in the big smoke. All right, thanks, man. Joining me is uh, Jim Mullen. He calls a lot of Canada West football games uh, throughout the season. And this week, of course, the 52nd Vanier Cup at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton. Now, (laughs) it looks like Laval, I I know you're saying they're, what, 12.5-point favorites? Well, I think at this stage that they're 12.5-point favorites. And the reason for that, in my mind, is that Calgary has so many variables in terms of their lineup uh, with injuries uh, this year, uh, and especially at this stage. You know, you take a guy like Robert Woodson, who plays defensive halfback and was selected the Canada West Defensive Player of the Year uh, last year. He's a guy you just don't throw in the direction of. St. FX recognized that and started throwing in that direction and actually produced some yards as a result. 
um, Brendan Van Nisselroy, a guy who spent uh, uh, some time in the BC Lions camp and was uh, drafted by the Lions. He's on the limp. Uh, Austin Hartley, an inside receiver uh, who leads a team in reception. He's on the limp, and he's questionable. There's, there's a much longer list, too. It extends into yeah. their offensive line. A couple of other receivers are playing while they're injured. Uh, I think that what you're seeing uh, with the Calgary Dinos is a team that uh, played in a very tough Canada West conference week after week and uh, registered a lot of injuries along with the rest of the teams in the Canada West. It's the only conference where the last place team can beat the first place team, as we saw with Alberta and Regina. So um, if Calgary was healthy, that point spread would be a heck of a lot closer. And I'd be willing to bring that number down based upon seeing who is slowly activated into the lineup as practice rolls along. They are looking for their first Vanier Cup since 1995, and they've kind of dominated the conference you know, before this year, they finished second, but five first place finishes before uh, this season. Well, what do they need to do uh, to try and you know beat the seven and one uh, Laval Rouge or this uh, Saturday? Uh, well, they need to make sure that uh, the Laval Rouge or don't get off to the start that they did yeah. against uh, uh, the Laurier Golden Hawks. Uh, the second drive of the game in the uh, UTech Bowl for. Uh, the Rouge Or was frightening in terms of its execution, in terms of how all 12 players knew exactly what they had to do and how they had to physically assert themselves. And uh, I know Justin Ethier, the uh, offensive coordinator at Laval, has taken a lot of knocks for, for creating a boring offense, but if you like team offense, that that's a scary team. Uh, so they have to find a way to... Uh, uh, you know, force some early two and outs. Uh, you know, maybe if Woodson's in the lineup, he's the type of guy that can create some opportunities. Uh, and and quite frankly, um, use the short passing game to sh- set up the odd long passing game. This is a game that uh, for Calgary, uh, if they have a shot at it, they've got to hit a couple of big plays, whether that's uh, through Adam Lorenz in the return game now, Lorenz also plays corner, but uh, he's emerged as a, as a great returner uh, in the in the second half of this season. Uh, or or the offense just simply teeing one up to a to a guy like uh, like a Whitman Tamusiak um, or or a uh, Michael Klukas uh, that uh, that can also go deep. Um, uh, they're going to have to be patient. They're going to have to stay close. Uh, but the one thing for certain is they can't uh, let the Rouge or get out to a to an early lead because they are a team who is accustomed to to getting out in front early in games and then knowing how to rope a dough and, and hold on in games. Laval's got eight Vanier Cups since 1996, looking for their ninth. They already have the most. Uh, in history, it's absolutely insane what they've been able to do in 20 years. Glenn Constantine, 110 wins, 13 losses. Is Have you ever seen, well, no, there, there's never been a school this dominant. I mean, uh, how are they looking for the future, and how do they keep doing this year in, year out? Well, you know, if you want to zero in on one area of the team uh, that's had a lot of success, it's the offensive line, and yeah. there's a fellow there, uh, by the name of Carl Brennan, who's the offensive line coach, uh, who's, uh, you know, prior to this year, over a three-year cycle, uh, moved uh, six players into the CFL, either as first-round or second-round draft picks on the offensive line. Um, they, they, it, and it's not like they're all that deep on the offensive line. They, they, they You know, they're just about too deep on the O-line. Uh, but the type of talent that Brennan's been able to uh, put together and coach up has has been the signature uh, of the offense. Uh, you know they don't do uh, things uh, particularly in a pretty fashion. When it, they, they smash in the mouth, and as a matter of fact, in some ways, they remind me of the old Saskatchewan teams in the 1990s that played with the guys who had fully exhausted their junior eligibility and yeah. had been playing a little bit older into their mid 20s, where they could physically assert themselves and physically dominate a team. Lavelle's very much like that, although they've got some tremendous athletes, and they're also benefiting from uh, the SAGEP system in, in Quebec. Uh, the SAGEP system probably is the best feeder system, no knock against the CJFL and the PFC and the BCFC, 
But in terms of a coordinated system where where players play their, their two or three years of Sejap football and then move in to uh, into the uh, U-sport system, I always want to say CIS, but yeah. the U-sport <laughs> system, um, it, it, it's easily the best developmental path uh, for football in the country. And if you want evidence of that, all you got to do is take a look at the Calgary Dinos and see a first-year quarterback who played out three years in Sejep by the name of Adam Sinagra, who played at John Abbott uh, in Montreal. So, um, you know, Sejep develops good players, and uh, both Montreal and, uh, and Laval are there to take advantage of that. Do you think Laval would finish uh, third in the CFL's East Division? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You know what? The uh, the 2013 team that uh, beat Calgary by 11 points was one heck of a good team and maybe the most fearsome offensive line that I've seen. That offensive line could easily have been <laughs> inserted into a lot of CFL lineups, and they wouldn't have missed a beat. Uh uh, you know, uh, I, I'm sure. I'm sure it would have been very interesting to see former Laval head coach Jacques Chapdelaine also yeah. take on Glenn Constantine too. <laughs> <in the game. laughs> that, that might have been uh, pure comedy, but yeah, um, yeah uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the one thing about the Rouge Or is that uh, you know, like I said, you know, it's not pretty, it's not flashy football, uh, but if but if you if you like watching the trenches. Uh, and if you uh, and they've got some pretty good talents on uh, on uh, in the defensive secondary as well in terms of good pure athletes, um, uh, they can be a, a fun team to watch. But uh, sometimes your eyes got to go away from the football to truly enjoy what they can produce. Yeah, thank you so much. The fifty second Vanier Cup happening this Saturday. I gotta say, you're probably picking Laval, aren't you? <laughs> Yeah, well, we said earlier on the Crown Countdown U show this year about three weeks in that, uh, you know, whatever team came out of the Canada West and got by the AUS team would probably be pretty beaten up and lose to the Quebec team by 30 points. (laughs) And and quite frankly, I I don't see that changing uh, at this point in time. But you know what? There's a reason they play the games. Uh, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see who's in the Calgary lineup, uh, but right now my heavy favorite is the Laval Rouge Or. Uh, where do you get to enjoy the game from? Uh, I'll be I'll be uh, in uh, Hamilton for this one. I'm flying out to uh, Hamilton tomorrow, and then I'll be out at the Grey Cup on Sunday. Awesome. Well, maybe we'll run into you in Toronto. Yeah, I'll keep my fingers crossed. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, and okay. enjoy the rest of the Monday Nighter. Okay, take care. Thank you, Jim, uh, for coming on the podcast to uh, preview that 50-second Vanier Cup this Saturday in Hamilton, Laval, and Calgary. Should be a good game, uh, even though, you know, uh, Laval is, are the heavy favorites heading into the game. Now, uh, Ty, let's, let's pick that great cup game. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at 2 and Out CFL. All right. Ottawa, Calgary, this Sunday. Henry Burris playing in his third Grey Cup in four years. The Stamps looking for their second win in three years. Man, I think they almost got a dynasty here. The Red Blacks are 8-9-1, while the Stampeders are 15-2-1. and where are you going here? Usually it's ABC, anybody but Calgary. Yeah. But but this week it's anybody but Hank the Shank. <laughs> I I cannot stand Henry Burris. I, I understand I get how he feeds off of people hating him and all that crap. But yeah. I honestly cannot stand the man. As a football player, I don't know him personally. Um, <laughs> he I looks still, like a nice guy, to be fair. Does he? Okay, whenever you can tell someone to shove it, uh, that's great to me. <laughs> that's okay. Either way, it's gonna be Cal- I'm, t- I'm taking Calgary. Um, and like Dickinson said, it's really hard to do stuff when you're up by twenty at the half. You just stop caring, <laughs> and I think it's gonna be much of the same on Sunday. Oh my my! I think it's going to be a closer game than. Well, I mean, everybody wrote off Ottawa against Edmonton. And uh, True. honestly, everybody wrote off Ottawa heading into Winnipeg in the second last week of the season. Uh, but they put it together, and uh, they're going to have that stadium. I think it's going to be firmly 
in their favor. Now my heart picks Ottawa. My head picks Calgary. Uh, I don't know how you bet against that team. It's uh, I, I didn't this past week, and I won twenty six hundred bucks. So, well, what did you bet on them? Twenty seven hundred? Like, what were the odds? Like, how do you make money there? <laughs> I had to I had to put down nineteen hundred. Oh, see, yeah, <laughs> whatever was left of my online betting account from the Cavaliers winning the NBA championship, I rolled onto the onto the St. Peters. All right, well, that will buy you a trip to Ottawa next year. Well, I'm not staying in Ottawa. I'm going to Hull. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm going to make the game. <laughs> All right. I'll try. I guess we're going to play music here. That's stairwell and broke and out of money, which is what I will be uh, probably sometime uh, around 7 o'clock Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, I wish I would have been broke last year around 7 o'clock. That would have been a real good idea for me. But <laughs> Hey, you made our podcast look good by buying a round of drinks for the whole bar. Yeah, and then I got a stage 5 clinger that won't leave me alone. <laughs> Text her back. Go for it. You, sometimes you just got to open yourself up to love. I'm, I'm way too jaded. <laughs> Why? What is, What has she done? Not her. Just women in general. We won't get to do it on air. Oh, it's you. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's always my fault. <laughs> and that does it for episode 62 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. Uh, thank you, Tyrell, for being the second most dedicated. Maybe you are the most dedicated person to this podcast. Hey, I don't do any of the editing. I just make I just make the spreadsheet. You make it hard for me to edit, actually. That's uh, <laughs> no, you you just pretty much elked my whole getting last last week. Yeah, so. I had to. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. <laughs> so thank you to Janine uh, from the Bleed Red Blacks podcast. Look at that. I got it right uh, that time. You can follow her on Twitter at Ottawa J. Uh, Ryan from the CFL Horseman podcast. You can follow him at at podcaster Ryan. And uh, Jim Mullen, thanks for uh, previewing the uh, Vanier Cup with us. Follow him at Jim underscore Mullen, M-U-L-L-I-N. Uh, follow him on Twitter and uh, follow him for U Sports uh, updates. He he knows that that stuff inside and out. So we thank him for coming on to preview the Vanier Cup. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, Tyrell. If I survive another Grey Cup, uh, yeah, I should be around. I mean, I got to work, so I'll uh, be healthy. Got to work. Well, that's what happens when you get shut down for a month. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, I love you. <laughs> I love you too, buddy. Yeah, we'll talk to you next week, and maybe Fraser will be here. Who knows what he's doing well, well, anymore. Well, if the crick don't rise. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, like on Facebook, Tune Out CFL. I'll talk to you next week to wrap up the Grey Cup.